0: It's great to be at church this Sunday. My, uh, I think this is the first Sunday in about a month and a half. Um, uh-oh. Because at some point, somebody in our family has been sick for the last month and a half. So it's great. The whole family was here for the first service. And um, it's just great to be at church. I was, um, you know, as I was putting together the talk, um, you know, it's just had a, a lot of effects in different area of my lo- areas of my life. And my prayer this morning is that it would mean something to you, that everybody would walk away with something that God has for them. And so I just want to pray for that right now. Um, God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your church. God, that you meet us, that you love us, um, that we get to tell stories about the things that you've done in our life. And I pray this morning that you would give each of us um, some revelation of who you are and what you have for us in our lives. And we thank you. We thank you that you're the kind of God that does that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. When I put Tommy to bed, my son, um, we'll, you know, we'll pray for our friends. You know, like we'll go through a list. And Tommy will always come up with these random people that we're praying for. And uh, at one point he prays for George. We don't know anybody named George, so I'm thinking, like, George. And I'm like, curious George? (laughs) And he's like, yeah. With the bunnies. <laughs> and, and, and this was like, this was probably like six, seven months ago. But it started this journey for me because I was like, well, Tommy, George isn't real. You know, like, he's not, George isn't real. And, uh, you know, we read like Curious George and we read the Bible. He's got a little uh, kid's Bible and it's awesome. And so I'm like, yeah, George, George, George isn't real. Uh, you know, Luke Skywalker, he loves Star Wars. Luke Skywalker isn't real. And he's like, yeah, like Jesus I'm like, ooh, ugh. And it began this challenge for me of differentiating for my son what's real and what's not. Some of you might have heard the, the story I told about taking Tommy to Kennedy Space Center to watch a shuttle launch. I took him because I wanted to show him that there really were spaceships, but it's not the Millennium Falcon. You see, so I could start to this process with him of showing... Things that are real and things that are not real. And it's been, uh, you know, this process that we've gone through. And this morning, you know, that's my hope. That's, that's what I want to talk about, is the fact that God is real. And, and more than that, that God is real and he's, he's relevant for us. In other words, he has something to bring into our lives. He has something to bring to bear into the situation or the circumstances or the things that surround all of us this morning. You know, what does it mean? Okay, what does it mean when you say God is real? What it, you know, he's not fake. He's not made up. He's not a, a, a figment of our imagination that God is real. He really is there. And it's so hard, you know, for Tommy. He doesn't see Jesus. For him to understand, no, Jesus is real. Even if you don't see him. And sometimes for us, we can struggle with believing that God is real. Believing not only that he is real, but that what we read in scripture is real. That we have been set aside, that we have been forgiven, that we have been declared holy, that we have been called to do good works. That there's nothing that we can do to separate us from the love that's in Christ. It's hard for us to believe that's real. That's real. And what's more is that it's relevant. It has something to do with my life today. Like, God is relevant in our lives. What does it mean to be relevant? It's a good, you know, it's a good buzzword. It's a good ministry-type name for something. Relevant, what does it really mean? It means that it it has something to do with. It has something to do with whatever the circumstances are, something to do with whatever is going on. It's not like, you know, Tooth Fairy Jesus. You know, like, oh, Tommy, God loves you. You know, like, like some freaky... It doesn't. And How is that relevant to my life? You know, what does that? What does that have to do with me? And I think about. I was thinking about um, how uh, you know. The, the, for some reason, we always have pictures of Jesus with sheep on his shoulders. You know, like. I'm sorry. It's just not relevant. How many people here are shepherds? You know, like professional shepherds. There's not a lot. But there was when Jesus would tell stories about sheep. Why? Because it was relevant to them. It made sense to them. Jesus doesn't have some love for sheep that he carries around on his shoulders all the time. It was just, it was relevant to them. And so we have to make sure that as a church, we are relevant to people. That we are relevant, is that we are representing the relevantness of God to people. Does that make sense? That we are showing them that God is relevant. I was thinking about um, hymns, okay? Now, I did not grow up in the church, so it's not like I have go-to hymns that, you know, I, I praise with. And so when I became a Christian I started going to church, hymns were off for me. Because I'd be like, well, that's not even a word. You know, like, <laughs> you, you just took two words and pushed them together and made one. That's not right, you know? Or you just dropped a syllable out of a word to make it fit. Like, I would go to him, now. Now, I'm not... Somebody in the first service was offended. I'm not saying that uh, hymns are irrelevant, but I am saying they were irrelevant to me. They didn't speak to me. It wasn't even my language. I didn't even know what some of the words meant. So it wasn't really relevant to, to, to who I was. And I'm not saying that we need to make God relevant, that we need to change God, that we need to make him in an image of an American, and you know, he needs to fit into these you know, whatever things to make him relevant. What I'm saying is the God that we read about in the Bible is relevant. The God that we read in the Bible is relevant in all these different situations. When God comes on the scene, he does bring some relevance to it. What do we believe? Do we believe that God's relevant? Is it just on Sunday? You know, God has something to say about our church service. But on Monday, he doesn't know anything about my career. He doesn't know what I'm going through at work. He he really, there's there's no relevance to God in that situation. It's asking that question, like, for ourselves, where is it? When we hear stories, I love, you know, testimonies, because it reminds us that God is real and that he's relevant in people's lives. They remind us that God's doing stuff all the time. In the midst of whatever the circumstances are, God is relevant. He's not some distant, senile old man who can't relate I remember, uh, I remember one time I was, uh, I was working in a, in, a, in a technical environment. We were setting up, like, computer servers and this advanced telephony phone system thing, and we're having all kinds of problems, and we were working with, it was with the International Bible Society, and my buddy that works there, he's like, you know what, we just need to pray. <laughs> and I'm like, like, God's not Microsoft certified, like... like Uh, You know, like, I understand God is, you know, he's big and all, but, like, I'm trying to see the relevance of God and servers not working the way they're supposed to. You know what I mean? But now I can totally see, like, that's the response that we should have in all circumstances. What does God bring to light? What does God bring to bear? He is relevant. He brings something to the situation. That's the God of the Bible. That's the God of the New Testament. That's who we see. We have to be careful that we're, that we're looking for that relevance, not only in our own lives, but as a church. That's why I love River City Church, as crazy as sometimes it can get. You know, Antley gets up and he, and he says something about sex. And people are like, "Oh, I don't know if that's appropriate for church. I know it's relevant for church, because you know what? Most families, most families that break apart, you know what it is? sex and money. Sex and money. So you should talk about that. That should be something that's spoken because God, again, is relevant in that situation. Well, you don't know the problems that I'm having in my marriage. You don't know the problems that I'm having in my family. God is relevant. I know that. I know that God is relevant, that he has something, some just his presence alone to bring to that. There's this, uh, there's this great scripture, like, that I never really picked up on before. It's Paul at the end of Acts, chapter 27. And um, basically, they're on a ship. Paul's a prisoner, and they're on a ship, and they're sailing along, they run into a storm, and now they realize the end is near because it, it just keeps getting more and more shallow. And they got no control, and they know their ship is going down. Their ship is going to sink, okay? So in this circumstance, this is what happens. Paul urges them all, hey, for the last 14 days, you have have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't taken to eat anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You'll need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread, and he gave thanks to God in front of them all, and he broke it, and he began to eat it. Okay, situation. Ship about to sink. And Paul, Don't worry. I'm a Christian. <laughs> Don't worry. Let's celebrate the Lord's supper. Do you see how somebody might say, uh, "I was thinking more of a solution for how we're not going to sink." But Paul, Paul saw the relevance in that situation of God. You know what? Let's bring God into the equation. Let's bring God into these circumstances because I believe that God is relevant. He's not distant. He's not just something that we can know in our mind but never ever believe he can make a difference in our life. And Paul takes this great risk to do that. And it's an awesome story. I mean, basically he receives revelation from God. Nobody's going to get hurt. All you're going to do, you're going you're to eat, you're going to break bread and thank God, and everyone's going to survive, and they did. Powerful story of the relevance of God. Another story I came across. Has anybody seen this book, 90 Minutes in Heaven? Yeah, right. Like, I had no idea. Somebody in the church uh, had, was reading it and told me about it. But it's incredible. It's the story of a guy, a pastor. He's at a pastor's conference. And uh, he's driving back and gets in a car accident and gets killed. So it's like it's on a bridge and traffic is just stopped. There's all kinds of cars that have been devastated in this. And so the paramedics, they can't really deal with him. So they go, they see that he's dead, they cover him up with a sheet, and they go and they're working on everybody else. Meanwhile, another pap- pastor that was at the conference, he's, he's driving and he gets stuck in all this traffic. Baptist pastor. okay, Not, not, not some charismatic, not, he's not from Bill Johnson's church. okay, he's, he's from a very conservative church. He pulls up. He sees all the traffic. He can't do anything. He's just standing there. And so ah, he gets out of his car and he starts walking around. He walks over and starts talking to the cop, one of the cops that's there, a police officer. And um, (laughs) and while he's talking to him, he feels that God tells him to go and pray for the dead guy. That would stretch my theology before, (laughs) not after this study. So he's like, um... Okay, I'm going to go pray for a dead guy. So this guy goes. He asks, you know, can I go pray? Okay, yeah, sure. Gets in the back of the car, puts his hand on the, on the guy's shoulder, and, and starts to pray for him. He starts to pray. Now, the guy's been dead for about 90 minutes, okay? He starts to pray for him, and, and then again, God kind of breaks in and is like, you I want you to sing. I want you to sing. Hymns, by the way. So he says, I want you to sing. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts to sing. And then next thing you know, under the sheet, he's singing. Dude's a little freaked out. Goes over to the paramedic and is like, um, duh, uh, you know, you know that, that, that guy, you know, could you, could you maybe just go and just check his pulse and, you know, well, you know, we've got a lot going on. We've got people we've got to deal with. And he's like, well, yeah, but I, I think he's singing under the sheet. <laughs> you know, like, so, so here's this awesome story of, of, of this man who was dead. Dead. And somebody else prays for him, believes that God spoke to him, told him to pray for this guy, and he comes back to life. Is that, is that the God that we serve? Is, is, like, does that, is that story consistent with the scriptures and what it tells us about God? I'd say absolutely. Absolutely that's consistent with the God that we serve and that we read about. So I'm like, I think this is awesome. This, this pastor believes that God is so real, so relevant, I don't care if you're dead, God might have something. And not only that, but he may even speak to me. He might even tell me to go pray for them. And when I pray for him, he might, I don't know, raise the dude from the dead. That's a real belief in the reality and the relevance of God. And so, you know, I start to do what I always do, which is, you know, search the Internet and see what people are saying about this book. And um, what was surprising, uh, I I mean, I, I I was literally, I was sick to my stomach when I started to see some of the things that were out there because there was, there were all these voices just, just tearing the book apart. And they were Christians. They were Christians that were coming against this book. Now, now, what encouraged me was one of the first, one of the first discussions I saw about the book was from a, a non-Christian girl who had just hit, like, a, a pit of despair. And somebody had given her this book. And she's, you know, blogging about how it's, it's changing her life. And, you know, talking about a personal God, talking about a God that might do something like this, and how it's radically affected her. You know, again, not a Christian. I mean, I can't even read the quotes because she had a lot of cussing going on. I don't know why. But, But the idea, the idea that it was affecting her. This is a New York Times bestseller. This isn't like family bookstore bestseller. You know, James Dobson recommended. It's not. This is a New York Times bestseller. It sold over a couple million copies to Christians, to non-Christians, to anyone. It's a story of God bringing somebody back to life. And here's, here's one of the criticisms I read that just uh, couldn't believe it. Uh, this is a, a woman, and this was like, uh, I'm not going to tell you. Many over the years have claimed similar experiences due in part because of experiential Christianity being so popular. I have to ask, what was wrong with that old-time religion? where we just studied God's word and didn't go beyond it. We didn't need all these supernatural happenings. The Bible could stand alone. What? Well, first of all, God is outside of the natural. (laughs) God is supernatural. So if you take out the supernatural, you've just taken out God. Prayer is talking to God. Prayer is supernatural. Do we as Christians believe that prayer changes things? Then we believe in the supernatural because we believe in God? But it goes back to this common criticism that I found in the book, which was, you know, well, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. As As if it conflicted with the Bible. And I started to think about it, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Jesus is the one that tells us, to pray for people. He's the one that says, you know what, you're going to go out and you're going to proclaim this message and you're going to demonstrate it because sick people will become well. That you should go out and you should do these things. Oh, well, Tom, maybe he's just talking to the disciples. You know, and in, in the, in the, maybe it's just the disciples that are going to out and do it. Well, okay, if you know, we take out the Great Commission and we only give it to the disciples, but then in, the, in, in, in Acts, we see Paul, who wasn't a disciple. Paul, one time he preaches so long So long, somebody falls out of a window because he falls asleep. I keep looking up at the clock. See, when he's preaching, he preaches so long, the guy falls asleep, falls out of a window, dead. What does Paul do? He goes and he prays for him, and he comes back to life. So Paul can go back preaching. I don't know. So he, he does that. He does that, right? Are we supposed to do the things that we saw Jesus doing? Jesus went and raised Lazarus from the dead. Well, yeah, 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 but that's, that's crazy. That's too big. That's too big. Uh, well, are we supposed to do the things the disciples did? Well, yeah, except for the big things. Well, what, what, about, what about Paul? Are we supposed to follow his example? Who are we supposed to follow? I'm so confused. If we, if we apply this, this logic, this experiential Christianity, that was the other thing that struck me. Like, we're not supposed to experience God. Like, we're not supposed to experience God now. Understand, I'm not saying that experience is more important than Scripture's. Scripture is is the plumb line. It's It's the absolute north. It's what we compare our experiences to. But how often does understanding come, understanding with our minds come, and then experience confirms it? And you know what? In the Bible, whenever you see the word, like, to know something, to understand something, it's not what we've come to believe is, oh, I know something. It's to know with all of your being. Like, one of the words, it literally means with your five senses. To understand something is to know it intimately with with all of your senses. You know it. You believe it. That's why it's so, it's great to hear testimonies of people. You know, I've always heard about God. I've always heard, I've always, you know, believed in my head that God did this thing. But man, then God showed up and he did this thing in my life. Now I know. Now I know. Before I knew. Now I know. (laughs) Is that clear? (laughs) Does that make sense? That word know means so much more. And so experiences should never be uh, dismissed Because that's what we read about in the scriptures. One of the the scriptures I was thinking about was, um, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I love this verse. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Or you will experience rest. That's an experience. In other words, when you come to Jesus and you bring all of your crap, you experience rest, that your soul is lifted. That's an experience, and it confirms all the words that Jesus spoke. At one point, Jesus gets so mad. He gets so frustrated with the Pharisees. He says, you guys diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them, you possess eternal life. These are scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I'm the one that's relevant. I'm the one that brings to light the scriptures that you've read and that you study. I'm the relevance. I'm the one that brings it. And you go, well, okay, I can believe that about Jesus, but Jesus isn't around. Jesus says he's going to send a helper. Well, who's the helper? The Holy Testament? Oh, wait. No. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one that comes. He's the helper. He's the one that Jesus says, Hey, just like when I was here, I'm going to leave. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to do that. He's going to continue the ministry that I've started, which brings all of that to bear. I think part of it is it's hard for us to imagine or actually to apply in our lives to believe that this God who is so big, to actually believe that he could be real, that he could be relevant in my life because it's scary. What does that mean? We're called people of faith not people of knowledge. It doesn't say when Jesus comes back, he's going to give you a pop quiz and see if you know five verses. No, when Jesus comes back, he's going to see, he's going to look for faith. He's going to come back and he's going to look for faith. And do you think he's going to come back and go, whoa, you had way too much faith (laughs) praying for a dead guy? Come on. Jesus, he's not, he's going to come back and go, you had so much faith. Faith, you believed. You believed so much that you would go out and you would try the impossible because you knew that with me, I could make it possible. You knew that I may very well be calling you to do the impossible, and you would go out and you would do it. That's the response that we see of Jesus in Scripture. God is real and he's relevant. When, it's, when, when times are tough, when times are great, God is real, and he is relevant. And I was thinking about um, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I'm like in the running for the worst dad of the year. Already, 2008 is even really like six months in. I'm already in the running, worst dad of the year. We take Tommy to um, Animal Kingdom down in Disney World, and I take him on a ride called Dinosaur, which sounds innocent enough. Like I'm thinking, you know, the big, look at the dinosaur, whatever. no. Seriously, you get on this ride, lights go off, neon dinosaurs start jumping out everywhere to just traumatize your children. Like, no warning, no warning. Like, people see me getting on, you think somebody could say, hey, you know, you might not want to take your kid on this ride. Or in the little program saying something like, uh, it could be traumatic for your child. No, nothing. So I get on this ride, dinosaurs popping out everywhere. Tommy's like crying from the first instant. So now I'm just thinking, whoa, you know, i got to be on this stinking ride. So at the very end of the ride, you're going, you're going straight ahead, and there's this big dinosaur that pops out, and uh, he's like right, like it looks like you're going right into his mouth, and he's, and he's just loud, and oh my gosh. And at this point, Tommy has totally lost control. He's been crying the whole time. And now it's just, Mommy! Mommy! And he just starts crying out, Mommy! Like, like, that's the point where I break down. Like, I'm ready to cry. For Tommy, in the midst of those horrible circumstances, the most real, the most relevant thing that he could think of was his mom. She wasn't there. But in his mind, it was the only thing that he could think of that, that somehow might make this horrible ride end. Because certainly my dad can't do it. But you see, it was real and it was relevant to him. It was real and it was relevant to him. That was the only thing he could think of. And many of us were on that dinosaur ride. Many of us were in the midst of, of just hard times. We've got dinosaurs popping out everywhere. Well, what are we crying out to? What is it that we see real and relevant to our lives? Is it, is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it a person? What is it? What is, what is the thing that we cry out to? Is it mommy? <laughs> when, when we're in the midst of those circumstances, when times are rough, God would say he's relevant. When it's good, when it's bad, God is real and he's relevant. At one point, there was, a, there was an accident not too far from the church and a guy was on a motor scooter and got hit by a car. He's laying on the side of the road and somebody from the church just happened to be driving by and stopped and went over and, and said, uh, has anybody prayed for him yet? And the people that were there were like, um, oh, oh good, you know, Christian, we were going to call the paramedics, but you're here to pray, you know? No, so so they're like, uh, nobody, nobody's prayed for him yet. He's still breathing. He's still breathing. That's a good standard. Oh, we don't need to get God involved yet. We're just going to wait for him to stop breathing. Think about it. In the midst of those circumstances, God seemed irrelevant. Well, let's get him on an ambulance first. Let's, you know, let's get him hooked up. To something. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then God might be relevant. You know, then we'll involve him in the situation. And some of us, that, that's, that's where we are. We're like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm still working. I'm going to get this thing to work. I'm still breathing. I don't need God yet. This relationship, I'm going to make it work. Darn it. I'm going to keep whatever. This thing that I'm struggling with, I'm going to figure it out on my own. I'm still Breathing. I'm not going to have to bring God in. He's not relevant just yet, because I think I can get it together. And God's response would be, no, God is real, and he is relevant in that situation, in all situations. God is real, and he's relevant when things are bad, when things are great. You know, this is a real challenge for me right now, because uh, a good, I, I'm actually, I get to do my first wedding. So I'm really excited, and I'm doing premarital counseling with this couple. And uh, it's so funny dealing with, you know, people that are about to get married um, because they live in a different sense of reality. And um, <laughs> But things, you know, like nothing could possibly go wrong. Nothing could possibly be bad. And, it's, and, and you know what my challenge is, my prayer, is that God would be real and relevant in their life. That they would see that even now in their premarital bliss, that God is real and he's relevant. And you ask Him questions like, you know, well, well you know, Let's talk about communication. Is your husband, is he good, or your fiancé, good listener? Oh, yes. Such a good, I just talk, and he just listens. It's great. I'm sitting there thinking, "Mm mm-hmm. And then you ask, you know, well, does she do anything that might annoy you, like habits or things? Oh, yeah, but they're so cute. They're so cute. you're like, okay. But for them, they cannot imagine, they can't imagine, like, oh, I don't need God yet. I don't need to involve God in our marriage just yet because things are, you know, great. The, the God of the Bible is constantly reminding his people, don't forget, right? That's why he says things like, remember, I'm the one that delivered you out of Israel. Uh, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you guys uh, put up a monument? Uh, I got an idea. Why don't you guys uh, celebrate a feast so that you can remember the things that I've done? Jesus says that, you know what? As often as you get together and, and break bread and, and drink uh, of the wine, remember me. Because our nature is when things start to go great, I've done a good job. I've really got my stuff together. And we start to forget God is still relevant. God is the one that got you to that point. God is real. He's involved. Don't forget. That's the message of Scripture. What is it that God might be waiting for you to do? What are the good works that he's prepared for you that maybe right now is the time for you to do? Aliens talked about last couple of weeks of you know, us being filled up so that we can go and pour out on others. Well, when you're filled up, that's the time. God is real and relevant. God, what would you have me do in this awesome season of my life? What is it that you're calling me to do? Believing that God is real and relevant. The one point, the one point I want for today and the one thing that I would, I would hope that we could pray for and believe in whatever our circumstances are so right now, let's go ahead and just stand up. We're going to take the first two rows away. And we're, just, we're going to pray that prayer. We're going to pray. We're going to ask that God would just remind us this morning, that he would speak to us this morning about where he is involved in our life, where maybe we haven't seen him. We're going to invite him into all areas. So let's go ahead and pray. God, we are thankful. We're thankful for your word that that testifies to who you are. We're thankful for your word that gives us these great promises. Lord, we pray that we could believe them, that we could only believe them to be true, to be real. And I pray for all the circumstances that people are in. Lord, that you would break through in those circumstances, that you would show them the relevance that you bring. I pray especially for those that are that are on the dinosaur ride. Lord, I pray, break through this morning. Speak this morning, God. We pray out of out of humility because we know that you are gracious. We ask that you would Show up this morning that you have said you will send your helper, that you will send your spirit. We ask him to come with great power this morning and find us open to receive from him. That he would confirm in our hearts, in our bodies, something that you've spoken to our mind. That we would know you this morning. Know you this morning.
1: As we move into this time of um, prayer ministry, um, I said this this morning, but I uh, I just was recalling a, a story of um, when I was doing some interviews for the life course last year, and I asked a guy a question about prayer and just said, "What you know? What is it about prayer that's, um, you know, as Christians? What it, you know? Just you know, what's the big deal about prayer?" And he gave this really simple answer, and he just said, "It changes things." It changes things. So as we move into a time of prayer ministry, I can't think um, of any time in my life that I haven't needed prayer. And um, as the prayer ministers come and we kind of begin to fill in the space, um, we've got some chairs pulled away. Um, this is the time of the service where faith can become real when somebody's praying for you, when we're asking the Holy Spirit to come, where... Um, faith can go from just this this head knowledge to all of a sudden experiencing God and who He is and experiencing His love. And I know just by, just by looking out and, and just by listening to God during the service, there's so many people that have walked in here believing that God is just relevant for this hour and a half or these two hours on Sunday. And God wants to be relevant and real in every situation in your life and everything that you've got. And if that is you this morning, then... Now is the time that you should come and get prayer. The prayer minister is going to begin moving around in a few minutes and just blessing what God's doing. And I'm going to ask the, the Holy Spirit to come. And, and uh, yeah, just, if that's you, um, just come forward for prayer. God, I just thank you and praise you just for your spirit. And, God, we just ask that you just send the spirit now. Just come, Holy Spirit, in power. Just come and fill this space. Just come right now, Holy Spirit. A word from somebody. It's been just kind of an, another overwhelming sense that there's people in here that have just been so lonely, like they've just been existing on an island by themselves, just this small space, just surrounded by water, and that there's nothing, nothing, nowhere you can go, and nothing that you can do. Um, and if that's you, that 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 you should come forward and receive prayer, because the, the continuation of that picture is that dry land just gets larger and larger and larger, and that's how God works. That, that loneliness is just going to recede and that water is just going to recede. So if that's you, just uh, this is a time for you to come forward and receive prayer. If the prayer ministers could uh, just start moving around and praying for people, that'd be great.